is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Daramar, and I'm joined by two uh, people who are fresh off their yachts after watching the Monaco Grand Prix last week, Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. Lads, how was the race and how was it rubbing shoulders with the who's who of the world? You might have checked out my yacht. It's the it's the yacht that has a second yacht that I need to pull up into that yacht. So you might have caught that on the TV there. But I had a nice overview of the the race. Very boring overall. Not a lot a lot of action happening. Yeah, I I use Jake's yacht as the helipad for my <laughs> yacht. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I to be honest, I'm a Charles Leclerc fan, so I was devastated from the start. And uh, me uh, too, The rest Phil. of the race didn't do much to cheer me up, but uh, well, I mean, well, science. Nice to- that was as an well, Irishman, that's what we were all cheering for. But Verstappen, I'm still not a fan of Verstappen anyway. So uh, him he's young, he might grow on you, but hopefully next race will be a bit more entertaining. I think anyone that watched the uh, Drive to Survive documentary hates Max Verstappen. So I think that's that's the main reason, even though I kind of actually like him this year. He's uh, just because he's the only one that can challenge Hamilton. That's other reasons why we don't like Lewis Hamilton. But listen, we are not a, a F1 uh, show. If you want to uh, listen to anyone talk F1, listen to Fionn and his other podcast, the Front Row Podcast, that you catch every week too. There you go, Fionn. I knew I'd give you a nice Thanks very much. I appreciate it. You didn't even have to pay me this time for it. It was great. There's a Guinness on the way in the park. <laughs> Brilliant. The sponsorships are finally coming in. Now. Here we go. <laughs> but uh, on the show today we are continuing our, our off-season series um, and we are in the home stretch there's only a few teams left uh, to speak about and today we are speaking about the San Francisco 49ers and we're delighted to be joined by John Chapman from the 49ers Rush podcast John how are you today I am great, but I'm not as good as Jake. Uh, it's one o'clock here, and he's over here having a Guinness. It, my, mine's the same color, but it, there's no alcohol in it, so I'm still drinking coffee over here. So I just want to say, man, I'm a little jealous already, but very happy to be here. Um, love what you guys do, and it's awesome. You know, uh, had a little communication, so I started diving around and stuff. You guys are entertaining now. I got to tell you that, man. It's so glad to be here. Excellent. We're delighted to have you on. We were speaking last week as well. You're saying you have a, a good few Irish listeners on your show now as well. So um, we'll definitely hopefully to uh, reach out and find a, a nice balance there too. Although I have to say I was listening to your show last week and we'll do one more pivot away from football before we do. You say you're a mad Dallas Mavericks fan. Yes, sir. I'm a Clippers fan. So we, oh, have, a bit of, we have more rivalry, oh. not just 49er Seahawks. Ooh. Now we have Clippers and Ma- and Mavericks a little bit too. So this one could be, we could be putting heads by the end of this. I'm just saying, man, I don't know who the Luca of this podcast is, <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying he's got to have his way with those Clippers, man. Well, Fionn is the uh, is the Paul George. He, he plays great uh, before we go into the into the main games where he becomes playoff Fionn, where we just can't get anything decent. Yeah. Out. But sure, look again. We, I promise you, I promise you, John, we are a football podcast. And we are going to talk football. But before we get into that, if you are watching us on YouTube, can you please like this video and subscribe to the Under Center podcast? That's where you'll find each and every video we are going to upload. Each and every show we do with all of our guests that we're doing in our off-season series and obviously when we come to the regular season our shows there too the same on the audio side of things if you prefer to listen to us while you're out on your walk or your run or your workout same thing just search under center podcast 
We're on all podcasting platforms. You'll find us there. Also, go to our socials, uh, facebook.com forward slash undercenterpod. Twitter and Instagram is the exact same. It's undercenterpod. We're on the quest for 1,000 before the regular season starts. So that's we want to try to see if we can get to 1,000 followers before the start, uh, week one of the regular season in 2021. So let's see if we can get there. We're near. We're most of the way there. We just need a, a little more push. But look, let's, uh, let's start and talk some 49ers and... John, I want to start with the draft because that is the biggest storyline for 49ers uh, that came out of draft week. was obviously moving all the way up to three. All the talk heading into it was Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Who were they going to go for? Everyone thought it was going to be Mac Jones. Uh, all indications that it was going to be Mac Jones. Trey Lance was the guy that they went for in the end. You happy with that move? Oh, I, I'm ecstatic about that move. Like... Here's here's my thing. You have Jimmy Garoppolo there, and I'm, this isn't a you know bash Jimmy Garoppolo, but he has his limitations. Why would you trade three first round picks and a third to go up and get Jimmy Garoppolo one point seven? <laughs> like uh, it's literally the exact same skill set. Now perhaps Mac Jones would be a better pro. That's fine, but what does he change? What is it that he opens up differently than if you had Jimmy Garoppolo? And as we saw. Uh, not a lot of teams coveted uh, Mac Jones. He fell all the way to 15 and nobody even like it wasn't even there. And so I love Trey Lance. I, I was really big uh, pr- supporter of Trey Lance being that pick because he's so the, the ceiling is there. He's the youngest rostered quarterback in the NFL just turned 21 a week ago. And yeah, the limited starts are key, but guess what? He had the same number of starts as Mac Jones did in college, 17 each. Same number of starts as Joe Burrow the year before, 17 um, at LSU. Now it's different, the level of competition. I give you that. But, man, I love Trey Lance. I'm so excited for this, and I like that we kept Jimmy because now Trey gets to sit and learn, and whenever he steps in, he'll still be the youngest quarterback in the NFL, but he'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Our own Dara, for uh, for his own personal reasons, not hatred of the 49ers, was hoping Mac Jones would fall to the uh, the 49ers. <laughs> I feel like all the NFC West Jones. was. Yeah. yeah. Praying for Mac Jones for that to happen. Well, to be fair, I was actually, I would have been, I was kind of more okay with Trey Lance. I would have actually been more scared if he got Justin Fields. Fields I is thought, a beast. I thought he was he was the, the, the number uh, three uh, overall quarterback, maybe number two in some people's eyes ahead of Zach Wilson, but definitely I think he was better than Lance and and, uh, and Jones. More more so Lance because he's NFL ready now. Lance might need a year or so to get used to it. Right. And, and, and I think it's going to be fun because we play him. We play at Chicago week eight. And, man, Justin Fields versus Trey Lance would just be, oh, that'd be so fun to watch. There's mm-hmm. a decent chance that both of them quarterbacks are starting by week eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. John, you talked about moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and that you were happy that you still kept him on the roster. You didn't have to trade him or, or give him up for, for cap space. And I think in the NFL, sometimes we're a little bit short-term memory. It's only 2019 you guys were in the Super Bowl with the same Jimmy Garoppolo under center. What is it that went wrong that prompted San Francisco to move on? I know you say he has limitations, but if those limitations are enough to get you to the Super Bowl, surely you can be pretty happy with them, no? Yeah, I think the 49ers front office with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they're different. And they're different in the way that they, they're honest to the media. And they kind of tip their hat a little bit too much, especially after the fact. And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both reiterated, we're very happy with Jimmy. 
He just gets injured too much. And so two of the last three seasons have been ruined because of Jimmy Garoppolo injuries. And Kyle Shanahan is basically, and the way they drafted was, we're not allowing injuries to be an excuse or ruin our season anymore. So if Jimmy does get hurt again, Jimmy's going to be the guy. I'm telling you that right now. He's going to start week one. And you just let him roll. And if he gets injured again, you shrug your shoulders. Here comes Trey Lance. Guess what? The 49ers just got better. But I think kind of what you said you know, Fion, I, I think they're happy with Jimmy. Does he is he the perfect ideal build of a quarterback? No, he's not. But he's good enough to get this roster and this coaching staff to the Super Bowl. I think Trey Lance kind of puts that over the top. But um, yeah, if Jimmy balls out this year and takes him back to the Super Bowl, that's the best problem in the world for mm-hmm. the 49ers. Yeah, just just going back to the the Lance uh, pick itself because the there was a lot of draft capital given up to get to number three uh, from the Dolphins, uh, future uh, number ones included. Sort of a, a package deal that you would send to maybe a more veteran quarterback. And I'm just wondering, is was that package always there available, and were they going to use it on a veteran quarterback? Two names that come to mind were Deshaun Watson and, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, Obviously, the, the the legal issues going on with Watson have stalled any sort of move, and the Rogers thing. Well, look, we still don't know what's going on there yeah. with with Green Bay. If he is going to move, if he's not going to move, hell, if he's even going to retire. So, was there any? Do you believe was there any sort of talks about getting that established one, or were they always um, going for Trey Lance as their number one guy? You know, I wanted to say they always want to go for Trey Lance, but again, if you remember. The news got leaked out that they called Green Bay the morning of the draft and said, hey, is Aaron Rodgers available or not? Like, <laughs> we're still open. So, like, deep down, we're like, oh, yeah, it was always Trey Lance. But I don't think it was. And so if you can get Aaron Rodgers the MVP, I think Kyle Shanahan would have done that as well. But there was no doubt they were going to upgrade the quarterback position. Um, that was a priority moving forward. And if you, the reason why they were allowed to do that If you look at what they did during free agency, they brought everybody back. They brought everybody back. They lost Tevin Coleman to the Jets. That's pretty much it. Uh, Like it's so they rebuilt the team that they had because they thought it was a winning team. The injuries in 2019 totally ruined that or 2020 ruined that. But they think that they have a Super Bowl caliber roster now. So they were kind of in a luxury position to package those picks up and go get a quarterback. That team with Aaron Rodgers would probably be the scariest team in the NFL. It would, it would just be dangerous. Now, you have Jimmy G. We were talking about Jimmy G. I've never been a fan of him as a football player. He may be the most handsome man in the NFC or the NFL, maybe. But I, I date he, him. He's pretty cute. He's pretty <laughs> I think cute. I date him, and I'm not into dude, but I would totally <laughs> date that dude. Um, but having said that, I'm not a huge fan of his football playing skill. I think, as you said, he has a, a very limited ceiling, um, and that's what forced you to pick up a, a quarterback and trade all that uh, the capital to get the quarterback. Now, if barring any setback of an injury with Jimmy G, what do you give a chance of Trey Lance starting at all this season over Jimmy G? I do. Um, you're going to see the shiny new toy at some point. Now, Jimmy G's going to start week one. And I think there's two key dates that stand out outside of injury, as you said, Jake. Why Trey Lance? Okay, number one is week six. The 49ers have the earliest bye week, which I hate so much. I hate that early bye week, week six. They're coming off week seven. That would be a perfect time because you give them two full weeks. But I don't like that because listen to the defenses they have off of the bye week. 
Colts, Bears, Cardinals, Rams, all in a row. I don't want to send my rookie quarterback out into that. I think he might be ready for it, but still, it's just like, eh, that, that's, that's pretty tough. Week 11, however, week 11 would be the perfect switch, and that's kind of my prediction for when Trey Lance starts because listen to these defenses after week 11. Jaguars, Vikings, Seahawks, no offense, and the Bengals. I don't think any of those defenses are really like, you know, scaring you or whatever else. So I think that would be a great transition point. You can put them in week 11, Trey Lance, and you allow him to have some rookie mistakes against some lesser defenses and hope to work out all those kinks in time to make that playoff run. I think another aspect as well is you don't want to tip that hand too early for rookie quarterbacks. They don't always adjust well to the NFL defenses. And I think the later you let it get into the season before anyone gets to see them, he doesn't face any of those really tight game plans either on top of, as you mentioned, those slightly weaker defenses in terms of ranking. Yeah, that's a great point. You, you see these rookies like Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, and they come in and they just light the world on fire. But as the season goes, it dips a little bit. And again, this the 49ers don't have the Bengals roster, right? They're not the Jaguars. This isn't the Jets. They are planning to win. And so, yeah... I think the Jets are smart for just handing the keys over to Zach Wilson and seeing what you got. But this is the entire team's projection is to the postseason, and they fully expect to be involved in that. So, again, we're, we're not going through the rookie season lumps. That's not the plan anyway. We're going to polish him in practice, preseason, all those things. And when he's ready or Jimmy gets injured, then you make that switch. Yeah, and it's interesting that we were just mentioned the schedule because we were going to move on to that. You were saying the bye week in week six. Most of the divisional games, you'd be played over a six-game spell. Four of them obviously be against teams in the division middle of the season, two before and two after the bye. Um, what, in the broader terms, are, are you happy with the schedule, barring, like you said, the, the week six bye? And are you scared that um, if you're prediction comes that by the time the Seahawks face the 49ers for the second time that Kerry Hyder is going to break your new toy oh I love Kerry Hyder man why you got to use that against me <laughs> I love that. That hurts. well I, I can say this about the 49ers to the north because they just take all our players it's just what it is uh they're going to definitely know what's going on and that schedule I love this for the 49ers and I, I Seahawks fans I feel like you guys get this as well because West Coast teams get screwed more than anybody else because you got to fly across the country and play three hours earlier. I mean, how do you guys feel when you're watching, you know, uh, live football games in Ireland? You're tired as hell. What mm -hmm. time do they come on? Like the early kickoffs. What time the is early that kickoffs? Six p.m. So it's six. perfect. Oh, those late perfect. games, those prime time games, is like a three a.m. Yeah. kickoff. I actually, I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago and I watched uh, San Francisco play the Giants, unfortunately, for myself. Um, but I came out of that stadium and I was like, oh, grand, I'll go to a pub and I'll watch the rest of the matches. But like, Jesus, they were already on. They're already nearly over by the time I got into <laughs> right. a pub. That, that time difference is crazy. That was the weirdest thing ever as well. I, I was lucky enough to go to a Washington game in Washington and going at the normal time and you come out and the day is not over. It's like <laughs> still the afternoon. You're like, yeah, we're going to the pub. <laughs> I love it, man. And see, that's the thing over here. Again, you know, you went to San Francisco. Those the games are over. Even the late like Monday night football games over. It's like eight thirty. Yeah. It's like it's like eight thirty at night. So the schedule, the schedule as a whole, 
I love it for the 49ers. Uh, the road trips are very manageable. There's no three-game road trips. We're not playing very many teams off their buys. There's not a super crazy stretch. You mentioned the middle of the season where you're playing you know, four of your six games in the middle of the chunk um, are against division opponents, but we got a bye week in there. So um, years past, there's always like you know four weeks where it's just like, what the hell? But no, I like the schedule. John, just uh, couldn't say back to the draft a little bit. Um, what outside of Trey Lance, who would be your favorite, say, draft pick that you were picked up? I quite fancy Trey Sermon. I thought he was a fantastic pickup, and it was at a position they didn't need this year. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's drafted one running back since he's been here. It was Joe Williams traded up in the third round out of Utah? He never had one carry for the 49ers. So to spend a third round pick on a running back and never get one carry, Kyle Shanahan said, screw it, undrafted free agents from here on out. <laughs> Finally decided, and he traded with the division opponent, he traded with the Rams, um, gave up two fourth rounders to jump into the third round to get Trey Sermon. And it doesn't really fit what Kyle Shanahan likes. He usually likes those 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four running backs, high-speed guys, one-cut runners. That's not Trey Sermon. So it's going to be interesting, but fully expect Trey Sermon to get a lot of work very early on. Mostert's going to be the guy, but Mostert can't stay healthy. So you keep Mostert's carries, you know, seven to ten carries a game. That's kind of what you want him to be. Trey Sermon comes in. I think he's going to lead the team in carries his rookie year. Yeah, no, I, when I watched a lot of his footage, I thought, like, I mean, as you said, he's not maybe the right pick or – the right style perhaps but certainly a, a very talented running back and i thought if anyone's going to get good use out of a quarterback uh, running back like him it would be kyle shanahan yeah it if you're a running back like that's you hit the jackpot because <laughs> if you remember alfred morris alfred freaking morris let was second in the nfl in rush yards his rookie year and i still don't understand how that guy had a career in the <laughs> league uh but hey props to him he got paid so glad he glad he got some money out of it he was on the Giants last year, so <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware of Alfmo. <laughs> I'm think, sorry you had to watch that. <laughs> do you think with, uh, as you said, that slightly different running back draft pick, Trey Lance, obviously, as you already mentioned, brings a lot more uh, dynamicism to the quarterback position than Garoppolo does. Are we going to see a radically different 49ers offense this season, or is it going to be something similar? Run the ball hard and and really lean on uh, Kittle. Yeah, I don't think you change the playbook. I mm-hmm. really, really don't think that's what's going to happen. And the funny thing is, like, you'll see Jimmy Garoppolo do like a uh, makeshift zone read, where like he like turns, like he's reading the defensive end. He's not reading the defensive end. That's an automatic give. And so you keep that in there. The only difference is now you have the attempt of a, a keep for the quarterback, and it just makes everybody honest. You know, Kyle Shanahan talked about we finally will get to play 11 versus 11 in the running game because as a defense, when you're playing a non-mobile quarterback, you just wipe the quarterback off. You don't even account for him. He's not in your numbers. You put Trey Lance back there. A lot of people forget um, the style of competition was not the same. I get that. It was FCS, you know, North Dakota State. He had 1,100 rush yards in one season, 14 rushing touchdowns in one season. Um, you know, he had a GPS uh, what a tracker in the shoulder pads like a lot of the NFL programs did. He had the highest speed. It was uh, just under 22 miles per hour of any NFL quarterback last year. He would have been the fastest quarterback even more than Lamar Jackson uh, with you, the time that he put up uh, at North Dakota State. 
Do you think he could beat Daniel Jones in a foot race? <laughs> um, well, I can tell you he'll cross the finish line. Them. He'll cross the finish line first because Daniel Jones gonna be laying yeah, on the yeah. stomach. That right turf monster, that turf monster has beef with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was faster than Lamar Jackson last year, so I'll yeah, take yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. He also hit the ground faster than Lamar Jackson as well. well, well, well. That's fair. That pivot was pretty say, big. What is it they say? That run like like you're angry at the ground. The ground was angry at Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, got yeah, him. got him. You know that's what it was. But but John. Um, how how big of a miss is it going to be um, not having Robert Sala as a defensive coordinator next season? I will say this. Robert Sala's best um, – what he brought to the team that was better than anything else wasn't as DC. He is a leader of men and a morale changer. Uh, he was incredible. There were a lot of issues, and, man, I'm sure you as a Seahawks fan, you can appreciate this. His in-game adjustments are almost non-existent. Mobile quarterbacks destroyed him because of how he would account for them. And I'm not trying to bash Salah. I think he's incredible, and I hope he has a lot of success as the Jets. But what he brought wasn't so much scheme. Um, it wasn't in-game management. That's not what he was. But that kind of solidifying presence in the locker room, the morale builder, all those things, that was what was key. Now, D'Amico Ryans, who a lot of people know about, uh, out of Alabama, you know, absolute incredible pro, played with Houston for a while, um, all over the place, uh, Philadelphia and Houston. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves this guy. And if you go back and you watch those clips where Robert Sala's like pumping it up and jumping up and down, you'll see D'Amico Ryans right over his shoulder doing the same damn thing. So you're hoping to keep some of that personality, some of that energy, mm -hmm. but we've never he's never called plays ever. So this is brand new. Um, so we'll have to kind of see what happens there, but I would I would be willing to bet. You put Nick Bosa and Fred Warner on any defense, I bet John Chapman could even call plays <laughs> for those guys. I, I remember commenting when we got to watch a couple of 49ers games that I saw Salah on the TV more than I saw Shanahan, like – he got more airtime than anybody else on that sideline. Well, if you're showing Shanahan on the big screen, you've got to be ready to like blur, like blur out <laughs> a lot of things because he's just he's cussing people nonstop, and he'll cover his face, and you'll just see him just like he's almost like Gruden, where he's like just pissed off all the time whenever he's calling plays. Um, but yeah, they, they're, it, Solo was so much more animated. I agree with you. John, I'm getting flashbacks for last year when the Giants played the 49ers with like your second string, third string, everything. And for some reason, the Giants just crumbled in, inside themselves, scored three field goals and lost 36 to, I don't know, was it Nick Mullins at the helm? I, I yeah. Mean, yeah. It, Nick it Mullins, hurts. I'm it, still salty. It was a good game for Mullins. And that's kind of who Mullins is. You can, if you have to game plan, if he has to sit through, the, he's going to be trash. But, you know, he steps in because of the injury and just lights it up. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun game. That was about the the highest point of the season of the 49ers. It went straight downhill from there, Jake. So just want to let you know. At week well, three, it was all it was all bad from there. The Giants season never really took off. So mm. <laughs> well, the highlight was that Seahawks game. Colt McCoy. Yeah, actually, yeah, well. And and actually um Alfred Morris. Yeah, that oh, we were actually yeah. mentioned them there just a little earlier on. Yeah, yeah that Giants defense really killed Russell Wilson and that one. I bet you were having to see that one, John. Oh, very much so. <laughs> Plus, I'm a Longhorn, so anytime Colt McCoy's out there, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Remember the good times, baby. But um, just looking at, say, some positions of need before the season starts, and one that I, I, I looked at, and you sort of mentioned it in your show as well, is the wide receiver tree position. Now, this, the Niners did... Um, 
take on Marquise Lee. Um, you did a sort of uh, uh, you talked about him on your podcast a little bit and the sort of limitations that he had, especially route running, especially. Um, and promptly he uh, they see or the 49ers were listening to you because then they caught him a couple of days later. So and now I, I think they've signed was it a uh, Bernie Fowler to yeah. uh, at the moment, but uh, there we go, Bernie, Bernie Fowler, Fowler. Yeah, yeah, Giants, Giants legend Bernie <laughs> Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> With with Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk there now as the two sort of establishing themselves as wide receiver one and two, could we could it be more an, a, a more veteran name coming in and and does the name Julio Jones possibly uh, come up in the Kyle Shanahan sort of list of players he'd like to sign? I think it has to. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was his OC for two years. Julio Jones' best two years of his entire career were under Kyle Shanahan. He had 1,800 yards in one year. And if you look at what, you know, people always want to say Julio Jones, so injury-prone, whatever else. Well, he played in nine games last year. What he did in nine games last year would have been the 49ers' leading wide receiver (laughs) for the entire year. So I would take nine games of Julio over about 11 or 12 games of almost anybody. Now the problem is we've already given up so much draft capital for Trey Lance like we talked about. Julio Jones probably going to cost a second or a third, fourth with some players being exchanged, some young – because the Falcons are in a mess. I don't know who you had on with the Falcons, but I guarantee you they were broke. Because they can't even hire, they can't pay their own draft picks. They can't sign them. They don't have <laughs> any money. So they have to do something. Grady Jarrett, who I think is a hell of a player. Um, I think he's a top five defensive tackle, D, you know, D lineman in the league. And then also Julio Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if both are gone um, in a short week because that June 1st, what is it, the 25th today? June 1st is when you can basically prorate those cap penalties out over two years and spread it out. So um, I expect something to get done in the next week. I hope the 49ers can find a way to get Julio without giving up a second. If we don't give up a second, I'd be all for it. The next draft will be certainly very boring if you have to give up your second. <laughs> I know. We're hosting a show in Vegas live, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to come. Like, <laughs> come watch day three. <laughs> just just go to the roulette table for that. and then you'll be There fine. you go, man. <laughs> but, um, so other than uh, finishing second and hoping for a playoff spot next season, what are the aims? Uh, now, obviously, last year was you've lost it just due, due to so many injuries. And, you know, yeah. like rivalry aside, you know, that just sucks for any team just to have that many injuries. I'm guessing the sort of objective, the main objective is to keep as many players fit as you can and then sort of just go from there just because of the natural the amount of talent that is in that team just naturally. Yeah, they have so much depth. I think it's weird how the NFC West has kind of shifted, okay? I think you have the Seahawks and the Rams who are saying, we're going to get as many elite players as possible and depth be damned. Like, we want Wagner. You know, we want Adams. We want Russell Wilson. We want these top-level DK Metcalf-type elite players but then the middle of the lineup's rough, and it's even worse with the Rams. I think they got like four or five dudes, and that's it. You know, they they have cut so they lost like four starters on that defense last year. But then you've got the Cardinals and the 49ers that again, they're kind of stocking up the shelves. And so not so much top end elite talent, but a lot more kind of jacks and queens, I guess you could say card term, right? Um, in that in that basket. So Kyle Shanahan, his whole thing. 
injuries won't beat us this year. Even if we have injuries, we've established the depth to where that cannot be an excuse at almost every position besides wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I think it, you're you're planning on winning the division. And I think there's three teams. I, I don't consider Arizona a contender yet. But I think Seattle, um, you've got Los Angeles, the Rams, and the 49ers. Those three teams, I mean, it's almost flip a coin. They're all so damn good. And if I'm just looking at rosters, I'm saying the Rams and 49ers have the edge, but neither of those teams have Russell Wilson. And he's kind of the outlier that just defies all odds over and over and over again. Unless yeah. he starts this, this season like he ended the last season, then that could be big. <sighs> that was the worst 10-game stretch of his career by a long shot. Could the, the yeah. cliff the cliff hits quarterbacks out of nowhere? He could be gone. He could I'm be hoping. halfway I'm hoping. to the center of the earth, Dara. <laughs> could, well, come on, guys. Oh, he's hurt. Let's be a little realistic. Come on. We got a marshmallow at offensive line to try and protect him. Look, this could be oh, the last bad. year I have Russell Wilson. I'm going to make the most of it, you know. No, but seriously, yeah, look, I was actually going to ask, what did you make uh, of the Cardinals? Because I, I can't quite put my finger on what they're trying to be. You know, they they sort of, obviously with Cliff Kingsbury and his offensive system where he, he loves to go five wide with the receivers, and but it was a lot of run-heavy stuff there last year. The guys that they're bringing in, you know, J.J. Watt, I think you're hoping you're going to get like J.J. Watt from like four or five years ago. Same with A.J. Green. You tried to get A.J. Green from four or five years ago. Do they think they're still in 2016 or something or like what's going on over there? You almost have to go back before 2016 with a lot of these guys. Like that's even too recent. And here's my thing. The roster looks good. The best thing I can say about the Cardinals is this. They're getting Chandler Jones back, who I think – you know, got robbed a defensive player of the year a few years ago. He's incredible. But Kingsbury's the, I, it, my personal opinion, is the worst coach in the NFL, and it's not close. This is the same coach that couldn't get a winning record in the Big 12 with Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, still couldn't get a winning record. Like, he puts people out of position. He just, I, why, half of his team isn't tall enough to ride a roller coaster. I don't understand. <laughs> Why do you keep getting guys that need booster seats? I, I don't understand it. Like, that hasn't translated to the NFL yet, but he's just dead set. Oh, guys 5'7", get them. Like, I don't understand. I, I, I'm not a fan of what they're doing there. Maybe he watched too much basketball. He's going for that small ball. There you go. Go underneath, run under That's everybody. Right. He's a Muggsy Bogues fan. Uh, who would have guessed? <laughs> I love the uh, very obvious interdivision hate going. On. <laughs> it's just I, it, poor coaching bothers me, right? So like I watch Seattle and I get upset because one, they're good, and two, they won't protect Russell Wilson. Like even though I hate Seattle and I want him to lose every game, it bothers me. Like I hate that he's the most sacked quarterback and he's so damn talented. And so whenever you're watching the Cardinals and you see so much talent. And you draft a guy like Isaiah Simmons um, out of Clemson, who's a hell of a phenomenal athlete, and you play him in three separate positions in three games, like you're doing a disservice to football. Like, come on, what are you doing? You're not developing. You're ruining talent, and that bothers me. Like, it probably should. I should be happy, but like the inside, like yeah, I was, I'm a former football coach, uh, and so like I watch it. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. Um, yeah. But having said that, I hope he stays there forever. I hope he never gets fired. <laughs> I mean, Simmons should have been Darius Leonard. Like, he had all that hype coming out. I think I think Hopkins yep. 
and um oh blank name the quarterback i've forgotten them murray kyler murray murray i think they made them look so much better i think if you remove those two players i think they're in the in the bin with the jets and the jaguars last season i really do yeah and all that you're using you know hopkins for is out routes that's all he Mm -hmm. runs he runs five yard out routes and stops you got one of the best route runners with the best hands and a good quarterback and all you're doing is out routes and stop routes like I don't like it. Well, I think that's a team sort of just figured them out for the second half of the season. These read options, they teams figured them out so quickly. And look, Kyler Murray just got hurt so much towards the end of the season too. So they'll have to obviously think of something better for him next next year. But uh, one more question before we let you go, uh, John. Whose defense is going to be hurt more or take the biggest downturn next year from losing their DCs, the 49ers or the Rams? Oh, the Rams by a long stretch. Um, I think that they had one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinator in the league. And not to mention, they have lost four or five starters on that defense as well. So I think that's key. Is Now, they upgraded the quarterback position. We'll have to see there. But if you look at the 49ers, they were still a top-10 defense. Now, the Rams were the best last year. But the 49ers were still a top-10 defense despite missing all those injured players. And so now you're bringing all those injured players back for the most part, and you've got a lot more depth on the defensive line and in the cornerback position. So I think the 49ers, again, they don't have as far to drop because they, again, were around that kind of 8 to 10 range. But, man, it's a fall fall far from number one, and I think they're going to go a ways down. Cool. And before we let you go, John, where can people find your show and your socials? Yeah, uh, 49ers Rush Podcast, wherever you watch, listen to podcasts. Uh, YouTube's probably the best place to find us. Just type in John Chapman or 49ers Rush. You'll find us there. And yeah, uh, Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman. I'm a big film guy, so I'm usually putting up a whole bunch of clips. So if you're film people, uh, that's kind of my bread and butter as a former coach. So if you're into that stuff, come check it out. And man, if I'm ever in Ireland, which I want to go so bad, um, you know, we're doing a 49ers rush road trip this year to three of the games where we're tailgating together, throwing big parties and stuff the night before. And the 49ers had a chance to be that London game because the Jags were host. I was, dude, I was going to be there. I was going to be there. I know it's not the same, but man, I want to go across the pond and hang out because, uh, you know, you started the show off talking. We have so many international listeners and football is just spreading so quick across everywhere. And I love that. So uh, really appreciate the time, guys. You are awesome. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, John. No problem. And yeah, the Seahawks suck. That's the last thing I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope everybody enjoyed uh, John's last appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we tell everybody else we'd love to have you on again. That's uh, yeah. to do yeah, that. This is one thing you're going to get Irish honesty. Like you're gone now. This you're black. You're like, blacklisted now. That's it. But no, seriously, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us. And we will definitely be having you on again to uh, to speak some uh, 49ers, probably after the Seahawks beat them twice next year hey i will come on here and eat crow and i will (laughs) tip the hat and all that stuff yeah Uh, i I believe it uh giving credit to where credit's due man i'll tell you we'll put a guinness bet on it whichever team wins i owes the other guy a guinness for when you finally get over here (laughs) that's what we'll do that's what we'll do but we are going to move on and speak about our afc side this week and that's the indianapolis Colts. and on the show to help us speak about the Colts is the host of the bring the juice podcast cody felger cody how are you good thanks for having me on no problem at all, no problem. We're delighted to have you on. We're really looking forward to speaking about the Colts offseason so far. But before we do, 
If you are watching us on YouTube, could you please like this video and subscribe to the Under Center podcast? That's where you'll find each and every one of our shows uh, whenever we get the chance to upload them. Also, the same for our audio side of things. If you prefer uh, the audio podcasts, just search Under Center podcast. You'll find us there too. So subscribe to that and you'll uh, get updated when we release our shows on that too. On our social side of things, facebook.com forward slash Under Center pod. Instagram and Twitter is both the same at Undercenter Pod. We're on a quest for a thousand followers before week one of the regular season. So if you're not uh, following us yet, go over and follow us on either of one of those platforms and help us get to 1000 before week number one. But let's talk about the Colts. And uh, Cody, I want to start actually with the schedule release that came out last week because there's some interesting sort of storylines coming out from from the Colts side of things so uh, they start with two home games against the Seahawks and the Rams two tough NFC West sides it includes a 13 game stretch before you get your bye week in week 14 um, which can be a blessing and a curse depends on which way you see it like it could help rest up before the final stretch at the end of the regular season on the other side of things you know you're playing 13 weeks in a row you know if a real possibility to build up some injuries that could you know um, stop your run towards a, a playoff push at the end of the season and also most of the divisional games will take place in that sort of 13 game stretch with only two of your last seven games coming up against an AFC South side. So what was your overall view on the 2021 schedule? Mm. Yeah, I personally was on the side where I liked having a little bit of a later buy, um, especially now with adding that 17th game, right? Like a lot of your guys hopefully will be able to get up, get rested up for the playoffs. I mean, I mean, I even think of, uh, so the Colts have had a lot of media avail- availability recently because they've had their like mini camp and all that stuff. Uh, one of their guys, actually the guy who was probably their steal of the draft amongst a lot of good players they pulled out of the 2020 draft, Julian Blackman even talked about how last season his legs were starting to come from under him a little bit by the end of the season. So it might be good just a week for him to, and for others to just kind of rest up a little bit to make that playoff push if you're sitting pretty uh, you know, in, in that certain point in time. Um, so personally, I'm a fan of it. Um, you know, it is kind of crazy. Like it's weird to the, for the Colts to have two straight home games to start the season, but the Colts have notoriously started slow. Uh, it seems like the last couple of years, especially. So, I mean, they, they haven't won the home opener guys. I think maybe half a decade, they haven't won an opener. It's been absolutely crazy. So I think to have a home opener is certainly good for them. Um, and really it's a good test right off the bat, man, to, to get them ready and see where they stack up against some of the better teams in the NFC there with the Rams and the Seahawks, like you said. So I'm pumped for it. Cody, I don't know if you have the schedule there on front of you. Is there any particular stretch that stands out to you uh, that might be maybe make or break, that might be particularly difficult or particularly easy? And maybe following on from that, uh, do you have one team in mind that you're going to, you can guarantee to be now today that the Colts are going to beat them in the season? (laughs) Well, I think Houston, obviously. I mean, look at Houston. I mean, they didn't pick to what round three and they picked a quarterback. So I think that tells you all you need to know. but I don't have a schedule right in front of me. I apologize for that. But um, but I do think right in the middle of that stretch, if you like, you talked about with a lot of those uh, those division games there. I think those are going to be that's going to be the tough stretch for the Colts, really having to prove, hey, we run the South. I mean, they haven't won the South in years, and the Colts really are, are aware of that, you know, and they really want to take it back from Tennessee, who obviously won last year. So uh, I think that's going to be the toughest test. They can come out of that relatively healthy. I think that's a major win going into the bye week. Um, 
But yeah, that is going to be the biggest stretch right there in the middle of that 13 game stretch, like you talked about, um, facing against some of the the hot, hot teams, right? Some of the big teams in the AFC. That for me is going to be the toughest part of their schedule. Yeah, it's definitely the first couple of weeks. I, I personally, I think that's probably the hardest one. We mentioned Seahawks and Rams the first two weeks, then away in a divisional matchup against the Titans. Come, uh, then you're going away again to face the Dolphins. Mm. Then you're back. Um, oh no, then you're playing a third game away in a row actually against the Ravens. Yeah. So that those first five weeks are definitely very tough, and it's going to um, you're going to have to really perform well to sort of set up yourself well for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And the Colts, like I said earlier, they've struggled at the beginning of the season. Um, to really get off to great starts. Uh, so I think this will be good. If they can get off to a really good start and beat some of those really good teams or take some of those really good teams to the wire, I think that can only build their confidence as the back end of their schedule starts to get a little bit easier. Some of the competition they're facing isn't the Ravens, right? Isn't the the Seahawks, isn't the Rams. It's, it's some of the easier teams, I guess you could say, on their schedule. So I think if they can get through – and have a pretty decent record at that point. I think, man, the sky's the limit for this team, especially if they get some guys back, get, get some guys healthy for a playoff run. I think it's certainly uh, a good setup for them going to the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And I think definitely the the end of the season probably is a little um, easier to get through with, you know, you got the the, the Houston Texans uh, in Houston. Then you got your bye week, like we mentioned. And then you've got the, the Patriots at home. We don't know what sort of Patriots that's going to be. Is it going to be last season's Patriots? Or will Mac Jones be under center by that stage? And will he be, um, you know, uh, performing well there? And we've got the Cardinals, you know, probably the weakest out of the four NFC West sides. That's just my own biased view. You don't have to agree with me if you don't want to on that. But then you got the Raiders and then Jacksonville to finish off. So definitely a chance to get some, a lot to, to possibly win out at the end of the season to put yourself in good nick for a division title. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and the Colts didn't have a great record against some of those winning teams last year. So I think this will certainly be a good test to see where they're at. I mean, on paper, it seems like they've improved the areas they need to improve on. So it's like, okay, how much more have they improved? And is it enough to win those games instead of losing, you know, those close losses to some of those teams that they lost to? So that, that I think that's the biggest question mark there. Yeah. You mentioned that the uh, Colts have improved in a lot of places that they need to improve. And what would you say was your biggest need to improve in? And and how, who was it? I'm, I'm assuming you'd probably say quarterback. And Carson Wentz is probably at least a little bit of an upgrade. Um, it could be Quiddy Payne on the edge that we are draft pick. Who would you say, mm-hmm. in your opinion, would be the, the kind of the best pickup overall? Yeah, I mean, obviously Carson Wentz. You don't know. He had a rough season last year. But I think from an offensive standpoint – this opens your offense up so much more than it was in 2020. Carson Wentz can do so much for you. He can run it. He can pass it. I mean, he can quarterback sneak it. Phillip Rivers wasn't doing those things last year for you. To no fault of his own, he's nearly 40 years old, right, on a bum toe for most of the season. So, uh, yeah, the upgrade there in terms of a physical standpoint is massive. I mean, it's giant. And I think there's a lot of confidence, even though he had a bad season last year, that that combination with Frank Reich is really going to do him wonders, and also the team that's built around him. And you looked at Philadelphia the last couple of years; it seems like they never had an offensive line, they really never had a running game, and they really never had a defense. They really never had a team around Carson Wentz for one reason or another. Majority of it was they were all injured. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think he's very he's set up so well to succeed. It's almost yeah. like 
how can he not succeed mm-hmm. in this Colts offense and with with the coaching staff and with everything they built around him? Uh, but also, you mentioned Quiddy Pay. I think he was a huge, huge need at um, on this defense. I mean, we all know about the Force Buckner, the kind of player that he is. I mean, he is. I would argue, and you guys know the NFC very well. I would argue behind Aaron Donald, he's right up there with the best of the defensive tackles, the three technique. I mean, he is just incredible. Uh, some of the things that he did, uh, you know, the Vikings game last year, for example, just basically destroying a guard. And he's just that type of player, man, where he can come in the double team and he can still make an impact. But the biggest need undoubtedly on defense was pass rush. Colts obviously felt that way very strongly, picking not one edge rusher, but two edge rushers back to back in rounds one and two <laughs> and electing to sign Eric Fisher, obviously, and, and in free agency to solve their offensive tackle position, which was also a need. I mean, I think a lot of people um, kind of think that Costanzo maybe was playing the whole year. That wasn't the case. He was in and out a lot. Colts had to do a lot of plug and play. Now they were fortunate enough to find a couple guys that could fill in and, and be serviceable for them. But Eric Fisher undoubtedly is an upgraded offensive tackle from what they had last year. I mean, even when Costanzo was healthy, he wasn't near the level that Eric Fisher was last year. So Colts are very confident in that, uh, the recovery process from that Achilles injury. So uh, I think they feel very confident that he's going to come back and maybe not miss as much time as some people are predicting. Um, So I think those were the three biggest positions in my mind. Um, I thought quarterback, obviously, it drives the offense. Edge rush was most important on defense. Obviously, offensive tackle with Costanzo retiring. And the Colts filled all those. And honestly, I feel like it may not show up right away, um, especially on the pass rush side because Pay is a rookie. But I think you're setting yourself up long-term for a lot more success down the road for the next five, ten years. So I think that's why on paper, in my mind, the Colts really upgraded in a lot of ways that they needed to upgrade. Yeah, I, I thought the Eric Fisher signing was a good one. I was waiting for a team who would sign him. And uh, obviously with the injury, you don't know who is going to take that risk maybe um, mm-hmm. to, to sign him. But obviously he might come back, a li- like hopefully as early as possible. But even if he comes back a little later and you're making a push for a playoff spot, you obviously you've just got to upgrade an instant impact player on the mm-hmm. tackle. That coming into a, a time when a lot of players are getting injured. So that I just thought that was fantastic. Like That's, that's a good forward thinking signing. Yeah. It is. And the Colts also signed Sam Tevy, who everybody thinks will be uh, maybe the, the filling guy there for a couple weeks until Fisher is ready to go. And, uh, you know, Tevy's not obviously what I wouldn't want him and the Colts wouldn't want him to start for the whole season, but I think he can fill in where needed. He's not going to be a liability, right? He's going to be probably an average to maybe below average starter, but he's still not going to be what they had last year, right? Whenever their offensive tackles went down, you were like, this game's over. Like they can't, these guys literally cannot block. Like I could get past these guys. That's how bad it was at some point, at a certain point. So um, I think the depth standpoint also is something that a lot of people aren't talking about on the offensive line, but that is something the Colts really, really improved on. And that was probably their biggest Achilles heel uh, last year on that offensive line was just the lack of depth. Yeah. I, Cody, you've spoken a lot about that offensive line. And for me, I think that's, that's the biggest key to Wentz working out in Indianapolis is that massive upgrade. He has that offensive line, not yeah. only because it gives him, Uh, that kind of reassurance but also he's had that issue in philadelphia of maybe holding on to the ball a little bit too long and if you can coach that back a little bit but also give him an offensive line that lets him use that time to his advantage he showed in the eagles in those first couple of years he can be very dangerous with the ball and one thing that's going to help him out as well i think is probably the running game 
yeah. what did you think of the running game last season? I know you guys drafted Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he was highly touted coming out of college. I I might be wrong here, but it, my sense is he didn't maybe live up to expectations that that the Colts were maybe hoping from. Do you expect him to to bounce on a little bit? And how do you think the run game is set up as it stands at the moment? Yeah, well, certainly at the beginning, I think a lot of people were underwhelmed by Jonathan Taylor. Um, he had one 100-yard game against Minnesota and then really like was losing snaps to guys he shouldn't be losing snaps to at that point, especially because Mac went out, he obviously, week one there. But he really came on strong the second half of the season. Uh, outside of Derrick Henry, he was statistically the best running back in the league last year. I think um, In the second was, half of the season, I should say. Um I, and he I think finished he was third in rushing yards. Was he overall? Yeah, he, was, he finished third in rushing yards at the end of the day and capped it off with like a 250 plus yard performance against Jacksonville. And then a couple weeks before that, 150 plus yard game against the Raiders. So, like, this guy was really popping off. He was really fine coming into his own. You bring back Marlon Mack as well, who people forget in 2019 was the thousand yard rusher as well. And then you added Naheem Hines, who um, is a very, very dangerous threat in the backfield, right? From a receiving standpoint. I mean, he led the team in receptions last year. Like the Colts running backs were doing so much for this offense last year. And you add in Mac now again. I mean, I think, yeah, this is, this is exactly kind of guys, what we saw, what the Eagles did when they had Carson Wentz and why were they were so successful? Obviously Carson Wentz playing at a high level, but they had a running back by committee, right? They had three guys, three, four guys. They just kept subbing in and really defenses couldn't stop it. And so I think the Colts are trying to go the similar route there and really just, just helping all these guys, especially now with 17 games, helping to keep these guys fresh so they can just wear teams down. And Wentz doesn't have to play hero ball like he did last year for the majority of the season. That's exactly what the Colts did last year with Phillip Rivers a lot of times, right? It's like the games when Phillip would have to play hero ball, it didn't go the, great, the greatest, right? When the Colts were able to compliment him well, he really got into a rhythm. And he really played fantastic at the second half of the season when that running game really started to come alive. And I think the same thing, if the Colts running game can continue off of what it was doing at the end of 2020, I think Carson Wentz is going to be so much better than he was this last season. Yeah, and you mentioned about the running game. It was definitely a strong point of the offense for the Colts last year. And with sort of – Rivers and like you were mentioned with his age and sort of his limitations, sort of wide receiver sort of took maybe a, had to take a little bit of a back step than previous years and like T.Y. Hilton um, and Zach Pascal and um, obviously Michael Pittman who only who only had one touchdown last year. They sort of had to take a step back. Um, you drafted a seventh rounder this year uh, in uh, Mike Strachan. Um, and he'll go in there with Paris Campbell there as well, who hopefully can um, leave his uh, injury issues um, behind him. Mm-hmm. What uh, is there real maybe to bring another person in there? Because you mentioned on your own show, um, I caught there a couple of days ago that you, you spoke about Julio Jones. And obviously all the news at the moment is that the Falcons are open to trading them for it looks like a second round will do it but is it too much of a risk to maybe give a second round to the Falcons for Julio mostly just because it looks like you'll probably lose next year's first due to the Carson Wentz deal providing he does play I think it's 70 75% of the snaps for next season and so losing your first and your second round for next year's draft will that 
probably mm-hmm. be too uh, too high of a price to pay, along with the obviously the massive contract that Jones would be on. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I, I think the Colts still have some positions that they're not 100% sure on. And obviously every year there's a position that you really want to address and hit it hardcore. Um, yeah, I think you hit it right there on the head. Like you may have, a you, you depending on what happens with Wentz, you hope is a first rounder if you're a Colts fan. Then you're out of first rounder. You're, then you'd be out of second rounder. I mean, Julio Jones, as great as he has been, and I don't want to like say he has, because he, he's been one of the best receivers in the, in the NFL. But he's 32 years old. That contract, I know a lot of people say don't worry about contracts, but I kind of am because he's one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL, right? So something has to give there. Um, you know, if you're if you if you trade for Julio Jones, are you not resigning like Naheem Hines or somebody like that? Somebody who's a homegrown guy that's young and is continuing to get better and better. I think just for me, a lot of people feel like the culture receiving core, while I agree, it doesn't have right now on paper a number one true threat. I think there's a lot to like about this receiving core. I mean, T.Y. Hilton last year, a lot of people said he had a bad year. I don't think he did. I just think the way that Philip Rivers spreads the ball around, he's not going to have what the, the type of numbers that he had um, with Andrew Luck. I think that's just a natural thing with how Phil spreads the ball around. Uh, Michael Pittman, like you mentioned, I mean, he, he started to come on strong, especially in that playoff game against Buffalo. He was really coming into his own, and the Colts feel really good about him. You mentioned Paris Campbell. He's a weapon when he's healthy. Problem is he hasn't been healthy, but the Colts have some other options too that I feel pretty good about. Zach Pascal's another name. He's just been a solid receiver as well. So the receiving game isn't, you know, they don't have incredible receivers, right? At least right now, but I think it's good enough to feel, you feel good about it, right? You feel pretty good about your receivers and also your tight ends as well. The Colts drafted a tight end. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like overly impressed with the wide receivers, but it's certainly, uh, something where I don't think it needs to be a Julio Jones like trade to go get your number one, get a number one receiver. Because I think Michael Pittman, a lot of, I think the Colts feel like he, he has a chance to ascend into that number one spot this season. Yeah. And, and you actually mentioned about the tight ends because uh, obviously uh, Wentz had a fantastic relationship with Zach Ertz for mm-hmm. a long time there uh, with the Eagles. Um, and looking at, uh, especially last season, a sort of Mo Ali Cox sort of seemed to be that red zone threat for Philip Rivers. You'd be hoping that uh, he can continue the same sort of work there with Wentz this year. Yeah, you would. I mean, this this guy is ginormous. He's six foot six, like two hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, I was actually shocked that the Colts kind of went away from him as the season went on because he's such a big target. Um, but I think that will hopefully you know bode well for Carson Wentz. Because uh, he has a big target in him, he has a big target in Pittman now. Uh, that's something that I think the Colts really needed to do a better job of last year is using their big body receivers in the red zone. They just really didn't, right? Um, we saw a couple of years ago with Andrew Luck and Eric Ebron, for example. I mean, look what happened there. He had doubled into touchdowns and was a fantastic red zone threat. And I think adding the element that is Carson Wentz will really help, hopefully, this red zone efficiency. And and a guy like Moelle Cox, certainly, I think he has a really good chance to really benefit from a quarterback like Carson Wentz for sure. Cody, given all the changes that we've talked about over the offseason, obviously quarterback's a big one. We've talked about the offensive line. As you said, the running backs by committee were getting really hot at the end of the season. How do you expect the Colts offense to look next season? Do you think it's going to progress in terms of, obviously we know Phillip Rivers is very accurate, spreads the ball around, but doesn't have these big uh, pop plays on offense he was much more of a kind of a calm manager of the game is it going to be 
let Wentz go and play? Is it going to be look at the running backs and get Wentz to spread it when he needs to? How do you how do you expect the Colts to look on offense this season? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I do expect them to sprinkle in a good amount of of that running game, especially early, to kind of help Carson Wentz ease into it. I mean, they've even admitted, the Colts have even admitted, it's going to take time. It took time with Phillip Rivers to get comfortable. It's going to take time for Carson Wentz to feel fully comfortable in that offense. And I do think, yeah, it's just going to comp- – it's going to be a very balanced offense, I feel like. The Colts were very balanced last year. I think they were 11th and 11th in both passing and running, so they were – they're pretty good on both, but um, I certainly think just your offense in general, like they talked about, is just opened up so much more. I certainly think there'll be more big plays down the field with the arm that Carson Wentz has, but also I think there could be a lot more, uh, maybe not a lot more, but there could be some more turnovers, right? There could be mm-hmm. some more uh, of what Carson, you know, Carson kind of does that kind of similar to Andrew Luck. Sometimes he tries to fit stuff into windows where maybe he should just throw it away. And that's something that Frank Reich, um, credit to him, I think he really coached that out of Andrew Luck the one season he had him. And that's why I kind of feel confident in what Frank Reich can do with Carson Wentz, right? Some of those tendencies, um, you know, to, to do the things like we talked about, some of those negative things. I think Frank Reich, being a former quarterback, he understands that, and he's going to really – help out Carson Wentz in a lot of ways. But I mean, I think it just kind of comes with the territory when you throw the ball down the field. Um, and when you have that type of quarterback, like Carson Wentz, he's kind of a gunslinger sometimes. So mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be like, what in the world was that? But um, <laughs> I think the spectacular plays will certainly be up a lot more. Um, and just adding that compliment to the run game. I mean, this is basically going to be uh, something we haven't seen in a long time from this Colts offense, potentially mm-hmm. obviously depends on what Wentz does, but potentially could be a very, very balanced attack. T.Y. Hilton might have an 80 yarder this season. Keep your eye on yeah. that. That might be a good, a good bet. <laughs> he was asked about, uh, actually was asked about, is he going to get a thousand yards? He said, absolutely. So he's he's got his sights set high for this season. That's for sure. Yeah. And I want to speak about uh, a little bit on the defense and, and primarily uh, Darius Leonard, because in the years that he's been in the league, he's shown that he is one of the top linebackers in, in the game. And, uh, he's coming up to his uh, contract now at the moment, and and do you know of any talks that have gone on with with the Colts? And has there has there been preliminary sort of negotiations over a new deal? I think it's going to happen this summer, based off of what I've heard from Darius Leonard and just the conversations that he's had with when people have asked him and media have asked him. I think you know, I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Same with Braden Smith. I mean, though, both those guys are going to get extended. They're going to get paid. Stop some of the top players at their position. I really think they are. I think they've earned it. Uh, but yeah, I, I foresee the Colts for sure. Those two guys in particular are locks to get re-signed um, sooner rather than later, in my mind. Yeah, and and last season, obviously, we know the Colts finished eleven and five, second in the division, uh, only due to a tiebreaker. They had the same record as as the as the Titans. So, uh, what would be a sort of progress for this uh, coming year? Obviously, last year it, defeat in the in the wild card weekend game against against the Bills. Is it a minimum playoffs again this coming year? Uh, it's tough because it's like with a new quarterback, you're just like, but I think just getting Carson Wentz back to even 2019 form is a big win. In my opinion, Um, just getting your quarterback back to top 15 quarterback play, I think would be huge. So I think what that looks like is 11 to 12 wins, maybe a playoff win or two. Um, That would be a win, major, major win for me. But even if you, cause like the Colts, let's be honest, the Colts kind of got screwed playing one of the best teams, even with that 11 and five record, they, they had to play one of the, one of the top teams in the AFC. So, and they took them down to the wire. So 
I think if you certainly can do that again, I would lo- obviously love to win a game or two, but I think right there, if your team can, you know, can get to that point, I think that's a big win because you can just continue to build off of what you've already built there. Uh, so in my mind, kind of a similar record, uh, but maybe a playoff win, I think would be a major, major success in 2021. Yeah, definitely sucks when you don't have like an NFC East side that you can play. Like, Hang a, on like, a minute. We don't need to go insulting people's team choices. Don't worry, Jake. Jake, he's still just nervous oh, about I don't the even want to ask his opinion on the Eagles. Oh, my word. Yeah. They oh, have screwed right. you guys we over. We have great. Yeah, no, actually, we're, we were more afraid of Carson Wentz than we are of Jalen Hurts. So I'm okay with losing Carson Wentz. <laughs> How'd you feel about being screwed out of a playoff spot and then also the Eagles getting Devontae Smith? Cody, I thought we had an agreement. We wouldn't speak about that. <laughs> um, we'll I'm never sorry. bring that up again. Um, it hurts. It hurts. I'm not going to lie to you. It hurts. <laughs> Fionn has nothing oh. to say. He's just happy there in the corner. I'm just waiting for us to win. Smiling. The just first repeat champ since like 2005 or something Get ridiculous. Over yourself. <laughs> Get it's over magic, yourself. It's magic, baby. It's magic. It's tragic. You get over yourself. We are going to see. 31 for 31 from Fitz Tragic. The mm. Giants are going to sweep the, the football team, and all is well in the world. Fitz Magic to outplay Wilson this season. Oh, come on. Yeah. Homer. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year. Is, is Wilson going to go down in week one or something? Is he's talking maybe he's happens? already off the cliff, Dar. He's already off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, listen, Cody, before we let you go, where can people find your show and your socials? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on Twitter, at I'm at CPFelger55, uh, podcast at BTJ Pod, also on Facebook, on Instagram as well for the podcast. And then we're basically anywhere you listen to podcasts at, um, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're there. And then also on YouTube, Bring the Juice uh, podcast, you can just search it or just search Colts Podcast. We'll, I think we show up as one of the top ones there. So you can find us there as well. Excellent stuff. And listen, Cody, we, we really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, speak to us today. We uh, we hope we can speak to you again, if not before the season starts, maybe after week one when the Seahawks beat the Colts. Maybe oh. we can break that game down a little bit. We'll, oh, see. we'll see what happens there, especially because you made me feel a little better because – uh, you made me feel a little better about playing the Colts when you mentioned that sort of run that you have of not winning opening day games. So I feel a little better now about about that Darryl, week one matchup for sure. We already know it's the bad. Seahawks' weakness is things named Colt. Colt McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> Colts are going to beat them. I'm on Cody's side on this one. <laughs> well, I don't know. With your defense, I mean, we. Uh, well, I don't know, man. We might have a field day on offense. I... Uh, that that defense is going to be sneakily good next year. They've put yeah, a lot of yeah. money Jamal into Adams their D-line. very fit because he's going to have to play every position. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's got Quandre Diggs there looking after him. He's Ooh. all good. He's all good. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look, listen, you just worry about your 30-something-year-old quarterback just watching his beard grow while he's uh, trying to My 30-something-year-old quarterback is going to have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I don't think he's too worried. Did you know Great position. They'll be on Great the pitch for fifty out of sixty minutes because he won't be. He keep turning the ball over. So the only reason Fitzmagic won't have a load of yards this season is because the defense gives him half fields every game. That's why he won't have hope, that yard. I hope Chase Young can, can play quarterback because you will need a good quarterback. That wildcat will be insane. It will be actually scary. I would not be tackling Chase Young. <laughs> 
But listen, like I said, Cody, thanks so much for coming on. And before we go, if you haven't already, can you please like this video and subscribe to the Under Center podcast? If you prefer listening to the audio version of the show, just go to wherever you get your podcast. Search the exact same thing, Under Center podcast. Twitter and Instagram is at under center pod um we are on the quest for a thousand followers before week one of the regular season so if you are listening or watching you haven't followed us on either one of those platforms yet make sure you do which will help us out a great deal but that's all the time we have for this week we'll be back again soon with another uh off-season show looking at another team and um, looking forward to the 2021 season lads thank you so much as always thank Cheers, you very much uh and once again we'll be back with you next week so until then stay safe and we'll see you soon